Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Lightning fans, you found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the NHL. It's the Lightning Insider Podcast with Eric Erlinson. Get ready for insight, historical perspective, interviews, and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the Tampa Bay Lightning beat. Now for the latest with the Lightning, here's Eric. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the LightningInsider.com podcast series preview edition as the Tampa Bay Lightning gets set to take on the New York Islanders in the NHL semifinals. No, it's not the Eastern Conference Finals. It feels like it, but it is definitely the NHL semifinal round series kicks off on Sunday with a 3 p.m. start on NBC. Of course, you can hear it on Lightning Radio as well, which brings me to my co-host, Greg Linelli from Lightning Power Play, from Lightning Radio, co-host of Power Lunch, which you can hear on Lightning Radio on Lightning Power Play weekdays from noon to one, along with Dave Mishkin, and of course the pregame intermission and postgame show host as well. And Greg, we get set for another round. Tampa Bay has won six consecutive playoff series, heading into playoff series number seven against the Islanders, dispatching of Carolina. In five games, they get a few days of rest, which I think is huge at this time of the year, especially with some of the players we know who are banged up or coming back from injury. And it's going to be a big test once again in a rematch from last year against New York Islanders. Good to be with you, E. No doubt. The Lightning, not surprisingly, they are in this position. Maybe you can make the same case with the Islanders, but certainly the first two rounds, Tampa Bay was tested, but I thought they handled themselves pretty well. And, you know, I thought there were a couple of differences in those series that are going to pay dividends in this one. The first would be the goaltending matchups. I mean, it was really a, a huge advantage, I thought, for the Tampa Bay Lightning through the first two rounds. And it wasn't that the goaltending in general for Florida and Carolina was poor. It was actually pretty good. It got better in the Carolina series, but it wasn't championship caliber. And Tampa Bay, of course, has the best goaltender in the league. That was a big deal. And that may be a big difference in this series, actually, with the Islanders coming up. Also, to the power play was big. And I don't think it was a coincidence having Kucherov back in the lineup healthy really gave Tampa Bay a huge advantage in that category as well so the islanders don't take a ton of penalties it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because we know about uh, officiating it can change from series to series from game to game but a couple of things really were in tampa bay's favor when you started talking about the panthers and the hurricanes and uh, we'll see if that is a big deal in this series against the islanders it probably will be and we'll we'll dive into it but um Hard-earned series wins by Tampa Bay, and it was nice to get that last one over in five, too. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the the power play, and the New York Islanders are going to have to continue to be the New York Saints to keep Tampa Bay off the power play because it has been such a weapon for the Lightning here in this series. I mean, just go back to when the playoffs go back to game four against Carolina where they score those three power play goals in the second period 
uh, ends up being a big difference, right? Like it was how much was mentioned about, uh, well, Carolina outscored them 4-1, even strength in the second period. Well, they all count, and it ended up being 4-4 in a wild, wacky eight-goal second period in that game uh, against the Hurricanes. But the, this power play that the Lightning have, you know what's amazing to me, Greg, I, I don't think we've talked about this enough, is it, obviously it's been such a huge weapon, and it, they've just been clicking so well. Um, even on broken plays, they find a way to make something happen. But this, this five-man unit, they hadn't been together since February of last year because Steven Stamkos missed the entire postseason minus the four or five shifts he took in the Stanley Cup final. And Nikita Kucherov missed this entire year. So the five-man unit with Victor Hedman, Nikita Kucherov, Steven Stamkos, Braden Point, and Alex Kalorn hadn't been on the ice together in, in months, in you know more than a calendar year. And yet they step right in and they look like they've been playing together for years, which in a way they have, but the continuity and the chemistry that they've been able to put together with that five-man unit, it doesn't get mentioned enough because how good they've been, I think, overshadows that. Uh, because it's funny, if it hadn't been working, we'd sit there and say, wow, it's because they haven't been together for so long. But it's just been so deadly for uh, oppositions to take penalties. So even if the Islanders take only two or three penalties per game, it could still be a big factor in this series. You're right. And the lightning showed that their ability to move the puck quickly was a big deal. And of course, having Kucherov back there to lead the way from that standpoint was, was something that was a lot of fun to watch. Alex Kalorn, I thought was really good on the power play too, retrieving pucks and getting it into positions where guys from the point or in the slot could make a play. That is going to be one of the, the keys to this series. Will the Islanders be disciplined? If they aren't, does Tampa Bay take advantage of the couple of opportunities they may get each game? And then, of course, the goaltending. You know, the goaltending for the Islanders, it's been, I want to say, hit or miss, but it's, it's been up and down a bit. And can they make the right save at the right time on the power play? I think those are going to be some questions we're going to see get answered starting on Sunday. But it, it to your point, it probably speaks to the fact that the Lightning have had a cohesive group for a while now on that power play, which allowed them to gain some chemistry pretty quickly, even though Kucherov missed the whole year. Yeah, you bring up Islanders goaltending, and it's been a factor for Tampa Bay's opposition in the first two rounds. We saw three different goaltenders for the Florida Panthers. We saw both goaltenders, uh, Morazic and Nedeljkovic, in the series against Carolina in just the five games. Does Do the Islanders, do we see more than one goaltender in this Islanders series? We know that Semyon Varlamov is going to start, and he was really good for New York in the series against Boston, especially in games five and six coming up with some key saves at key times in games. And, you know, we know how potent that Boston power play can be. And, you know, the two goals they scored in game six were actually both on the power play from uh, Brad Marchand. Um, but will we see Ilya Sorokin in this series? So we've seen both in the first series against Pittsburgh, correct? And, you know, does Tampa Bay chase another goaltender or force a team to make another goalie change in this series? Yeah, and I think that's a fair question. I mean, based off of the history of the Islanders and the way the league is going, when there is a short leash on a goaltender, particularly when you get down a game or two, there's a tendency for that team, for that head coach, to go to the backup goaltender. To me, it's one of the, the amazing phenomenons we've seen over the last five to ten years 
the way head coaches and franchises are looking at the goaltender position. It used to be, and I think the Tampa Bay Lightning abide by this, by the way, and I think it's it's correct, is that if you have a number one guy, there are no questions, even if he has a bad game come playoff time, that that's the guy you go back to in the next game, assuming he doesn't implode completely. And there have been isolated incidents over the years where we've seen a number one goaltender struggle a bit to the point where the other team may be getting in his head and the head coach of the team whose goaltender is struggling has no choice but to go to the backup. And I saw that a little bit with Marc-Andre Fleury and Thomas Vokun when Fleury had some issues and they had to go to Vokun because Fleury was just giving up soft goal after soft goal. That was back when they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals against the Bruins and they were swept four games to zero. Ironically, Fleury is probably the second best goaltender right now uh, in the league behind Andre Vasilevsky. And who knows, maybe there's a collision course there regarding those two goaltenders and a head-to-head matchup. But I am flabbergasted in many ways that teams look at the most important position on the ice, which is your goaltender, and view it as such that you can get by playing two guys. I do not abide by that theory. Maybe you can get away with it in the regular season. But in the postseason, I think you need a number one. I think going back and forth means you don't have a number one guy. You're not confident in that starter. And I do think in many ways these playoffs will be an interesting situation when it comes to where the league may head when it comes to goaltending. Because there's one team left who basically uses both goaltenders, and that would be the Islanders. The remaining three don't really have a question about who their starter is, although you could make the argument Vegas likes Robin Leonard, and that's fine. But Flurry is their number one guy for sure, I think, at this point. You know, if the Islanders are able to win the Stanley Cup, maybe more teams are going to go to that two-goalie system, not only in the regular season, but in the playoffs. I think that's more of an outlier, and I actually think that's going to be the difference in this series I don't care how well Varlamov or Sorokin have played. I think you need a number one guy. And it's going to be interesting to see if the Lightning get off to a quick start in the series. Does Barry Trotz go to his backup to see if he can shake things up? Yeah, it certainly worked for him in the series against the Penguins, right? Bring in Sorokin and then uh, Varlamov ended up being the guy at the end to close out that series against Pittsburgh. Um, But yeah, look, any series that Tampa Bay goes into, and it's an interesting case study, you know, in the two goalie situation, Um, you know, teams have had some success, some, some semblance of success when it comes to using two goalies. Uh, Carolina comes to mind when Cam Ward kind of stepped in, in 2006 and and led them down the way after I think Marty Gerber uh, sort of struggled a little bit. They used that two goalie system with Kevin Weeks in 2002 to get to the Eastern conference finals. Um, but you're right. I, I think that you have to have that confidence in one goalie. And when it comes to Tampa Bay, they had that advantage over everybody. I, I don't care who they play. doesn't matter. Um, they could play the 1976 Russian red army team and they would have a advantage in goal. And, you know, that's a team that obviously had uh, uh, Tretiak as their goaltender uh, during those heydays of the Russian Red Army. That's how good Andre Vasilevsky is. That's what he means to this team. That's how important he is. And the thing that's interesting in the cap era is how much money do you allocate to goaltending? 
I think that's the big thing and why you see, I think, more teams sort of going for more of a two-tiered system. And I think in the regular season, you do need a reliable backup because it's points are too hard to come by. And especially now that you're going to 32 teams and, you know, half, only half the league is going to make the playoffs. If you lose a point here or there for certain teams, you're going to put yourself in a situation where you might be scrambling just to get into the playoffs. Uh, So I think you have to have a reliable backup, but I do agree with you that when you get to the playoffs, one guy, you pick one, pick one and go with it. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, uh, it doesn't, but I think you have to have, the, the belief that one guy is going to lead you to where you want to go and the lightning have that. And they have that. And to me, it's a huge advantage, even if it's, you know, against a carry price in Montreal, they have a huge advantage over anybody that's at the opposite end of the ice up against them. Not only because of Tampa Bay's elite skill, but because of what Vasilevsky can do for you. And we saw that uh, in a couple of games in the Florida series. Uh, and then, you know, when you're talking about, somebody who, who has done something that no other goaltender has ever done. And that's what Vasilevsky did in pitching shutouts in the last three series clinching games. First goalie to ever do that. And that's a huge advantage. And it's something that he has learned along with this team. When those big games come up, it's time to be the, the guy. It's time to be the player. And it's, it's, just, it's just something that this team and he has learned here over the years. And again, I don't think any team can match what Tampa Bay has in net. And I don't think it's close. No, I agree with you. And again, I, I almost think sometimes the teams think that what they do in the regular season with their goaltenders can translate into the playoffs. And I just think the playoffs are so different from the regular season that I, I think you're probably doing yourself a disservice thinking it in that way. A lot of teams do, though, and I'm really curious, and it'd be interesting to do a case study. When did this shift occur? Because you had mentioned you need two goaltenders now to get through the regular season. Well, why? I mean, for years, we've had a number one goaltender play the majority of the time. Is it because of the conditioning? I mean, what what has changed? Maybe you can say because of the parity in the league that points are harder to come by, but then that would make the argument. You want to go to your number one guy longer. Are there more injuries now to goaltenders where that's where you're seeing a shift to play the second goaltender? Is it E that you just can't find a number one goaltender anymore? Is there a breakdown in scouting where you're struggling to find a legitimate number one goaltender? That could be it. I'm just, I'm stunned. We've had this shift where, we really need to play two goaltenders in the in the regular season and sometimes in the postseason. And, well, we have to really monitor this guy and how many starts he's getting uh, in the regular season. These guys, we keep hearing about how, how great of a condition they're in athletically. But yet 20, 25 years ago, maybe even sooner, your number one guy was playing a lot and your backup was what relegated to 15, 20 starts, but now it's, it seems like it's changed and I don't know what that is. Maybe it has to do with how much you want to pay a number one goaltender. There's a strong case to be made. Do you want to pay your goaltender nine or 10 million? Fair point. But I, I don't, I don't know if it's because these guys can't handle the workload because they've done it really up to this point. And all of a sudden we've seen kind of a shift go away from that. I think a lot of it has to do with the advent of analytics in the game. 
because the analytics are going to tell you that other than Jonathan Quick, no goalie has started more than 65 games in a regular season and won a cup. So I think the advent of the analytics, and that's just a basic, that's just a number. That's not even diving too deep into uh, situations, but I think that comes into it. How many high danger chances, how much, you know, how much stress does a goalie uh, put on themselves in games like that? And then it's almost like baseball because baseball has done this massive shift as well to the point where once you start to get up to a hundred pitches in a game, well, the analytics show you that your uh, success starts to dip, you know, what is it, the third time through a lineup and, you know, hitters have seen you for a few times. I think it's that sort of thought process that's come into play with the goaltenders as well. Um, you know, and, and we haven't seen as many injuries, but I, I think we're going to start seeing it a little bit because the two Karask injury we now know is a, is a labrum tear in his hip that has to have surgery, similar to what Nikita Kucherov had to undergo uh, just because of the stress that goalies have and getting up and getting down, you know, and, I, and I've had that conversation with Bobby, the chief Taylor many, many times in terms of, you know, how many shots a goalie will face in a game. Because if, if you're facing 35, 40 shots per game on a consistent basis, yes, they might come from the outside, but you know what that does to your goalie? They still have to get down on that crouch, right? They still have to be in position to stop a shot. And there's a big difference between if you're facing 20 to 25 shots a game per 35 to 40 and the amount of added stress. So I think all of that comes into play. So I think when you hear yeah. coaches and GMs talk about, managing goaltenders. I think that's kind of where they come from. Uh, but you know, that's where we're at now in today's age, you're not going to have Marty Berger starting 72 games anymore. And the backup only getting eight to 10. It's a great gig. It's a great gig for guys who did it. You know, Chris Terreri comes to mind, um, you know, getting paid to basically just be a practice goalie and uh, sit on the bench and watch Marty Berger do his things. Those days are gone. They're long gone. Um, I think there's a lot of parity in the league nowadays. Uh, I think because of that, you feel you need to have, and not somebody, you, you don't need a 1A and a 1B situation per se, but you do want somebody that you can rely on uh, to, to cover up and maybe steal a game in back-to-backs or, you know, step in and, and play for a stretch if your starter gets injured, you know, or if something happens in the playoffs, you do want somebody that you can rely on if something happens. So uh, I think that's a, a part of this process to go to, not necessarily a two-goalie system, but a two-goalie mentality in the league today. And I think you're right. I mean, I think a lot of that makes sense in the regular season. And, you know, the hip surgeries and the injuries and the way the goaltenders play today, I think it's probably inevitable that you're going to have some physical problems towards the, the middle and end of your careers, if not sooner. It's kind of like in baseball, if a guy throws 95 to 100 miles per hour as a starting pitcher, at some point, Tommy John surgery is inevitable. And there's a strong argument in baseball that, that says, you know, pitch counts may hinder a pitcher's development too, that, you know, there, there's something to be said for that. Also, I think what you do on your, your off days, the practice time, are you throwing a lot for a goaltender? How many shots are you taking? Yep. Do you have to pace yourself? I think that's one of the reasons why Vassy, in addition to his elite talent has been successful. They've kind of got him in a situation where he doesn't need to be on the ice all the time. And I think that's something that goaltenders are probably going to have to learn to pull back a little bit. And let's face it. Coaches love to get on the ice and work. And it's almost like the the more work you do on the ice, the better. But in this instance, with goaltenders, less might be more. And that by, might be something that has to be a, a bit of an adjustment for goaltenders from here on out. 
Yeah, I agree. And it's okay. You can use the word manage, Greg. They, they do manage their goaltenders in that capacity. Um, you know, and that's why you do see guys take morning skates off or practice days off because, you know, getting in the gear and, you know, in practice you're facing what a hundred, 150 shots, you know, depending on what kind of drills the coaches have put forth. So uh, it's one thing to keep yourself in shape, but you want to keep yourself fresh as well. All right. This, this series against New York, um, Teams didn't face each other in the regular season. That's been a, a pretty big topic here between the two teams. But there's a ton of familiarity. Uh, I think I looked it up. I think there's 16 players from the Islanders who were on the ice in game six last year that Tampa Bay won in overtime. And I think there's 15 for Tampa Bay. Barry Trotz, of course, was the coach last year. Uh, this is the third time in the past four years that the Lightning have faced a Barry Trotz coach team. Just because they didn't play each other this year doesn't mean there's going to be any secrets amongst the teams. The styles are the same. The way they play the same. The personnel is the same. Anders Lee, of course, isn't there for the Islanders. You add in uh, Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac that they picked up in the trade deadline for Tampa Bay. You have Ross Colton in the lineup now. You add in a David Savard. Uh, but for the most part, same teams, same styles, same spot in the season uh, is there any advantage either team has over the other in this situation? Well, in that instance, I, I would go with a team that's more talented, and that would be the Tampa Bay Lightning. So I, I think they are the favorite in this series. I think you can make a case that the Islanders will be motivated to avenge their series loss last year. Then again, the Lightning will be looking to repeat, which is motivation that should be you know, good enough for them to achieve that. So I, I don't know. I, I think the first game is going to be interesting. It may take a period. It may take one whole game for the filling out process to subside. I, I do think there's going to be a bit of an adjustment, but I think that'll dissipate pretty quickly because you're going to see that fourth line for the Islanders, I think, try and physically engage Tampa Bay in a way that's going to force them to react, maybe in a negative way. We'll see how that plays out. Certainly at Amelie Arena, uh, not as much than in the Islanders' home barn. But I, I think it is something to watch for. How quickly do the Islanders try and make this a street fight compared to just playing hockey? And that's not to say that the, the Islanders are a team that's going to look for cheap shots, although the fourth line for them could do that with Matt Martin. But I do think a way for them to get Tampa Bay off their game to frustrate their star players is to be extra physical. And I think that's one way, in addition to how structured they play, that's something they're going to look to do in this series. But for the Lightning, I think he, in this series, for both teams, it is going to be one in the neutral zone, especially. The Islanders are a disciplined team, and we have seen Tampa Bay be a disciplined team as well. But the one thing about the Islanders, they typically don't beat themselves unless they're taking a bunch of penalties. And if you're a team that turns the puck over in the neutral zone, particularly against a team like the Islanders, who likes to counterattack, they've got enough good players up and down that lineup where they can hurt you if you turn the puck over. So this is going to be one of those series, I think. I mean, you can say this in any series, but especially the Islanders. The Lightning have the puck at center ice. Dump the puck in if there's nothing there. Get the puck in and get to work. Because I think if you start going east and west on this Islanders teamy. I think they have enough guys to hurt you, and we'll see if that plays out um, starting in game one. Don't be left out. Make sure you subscribe to the Lightning Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else where podcasts are found. Now, here again is Eric.
Yeah, it, it's going to be a game of chicken on ice. Who's going to blink first? You know, it's two very patient teams. This is actually something I'm writing about uh, for the website in terms of how Tampa Bay has become more of a patient team. And, you know, if it's not up by the time, anytime anybody's listening to this, it will be up uh, shortly and certainly uh, by Sunday morning, depending on when anybody's listening to the show. But the, the patience is going to be key for me. And we saw this last year, right? Uh, what was it, game two or I, I think game five? I forget what, whichever game it was where the Lightning scored twice in like 22 seconds. The Islanders' first goal came off of a turnover high in their, in the defensive zone, right? And it went the other way, and the Islanders ended up scoring. So those are the factors you're going to have to put into place. And the Islanders don't have household names. Matt Barzell stands out because he was a high draft pick. He was a Calder candidate a couple years ago, had some, you know, pretty good offensive numbers. Um, But they have guys like Anthony Beauvillier, Brock Nelson, the addition of Kyle Palmieri. They can really, you know, on the counterattack, they can be very, very dangerous. Uh, And the other thing is too, you know, you you mentioned the physicality and what that Martin Sezikis and Clutterbuck line can do. They're highly regarded as the best fourth line in the league. They're not just physical. They can put the puck in the back of the net uh, as well on a, you know, somewhat consistent basis for the amount of ice time they get. So with that in mind, do we see Luke Shen play in this series? You know, he hasn't played uh, since David Savard came back, but if you remember the scene last year, and I forget which game it was, the uh, situation at center ice with Pat Maroon, Luke Shen, Matt Martin, those guys, and they were discussing what was about to happen. And then we saw that fight between Luke Shen and Matt Martin. Do you need a Luke Shen in the lineup to, I don't want to say counteract that, but just have his presence out there to basically say, you're not taking liberties with our best players? Because we saw it last year. They really targeted Nikita Kucherov. And I really went after him. And I don't know if their fourth line is going to be matched up with Tampa Bay's fourth line. We saw that in round one where the fourth line just beat the living daylights out of the Sidney Crosby line. And I've told the story by the end of that series, Jake Gensel, Brian Rust just didn't really want to engage by going to the middle and the front of the nets because they were getting hammered. Now they're different players. They're, They're obviously not big players. And I think the Penguins didn't have anybody to answer that challenge. Unfortunately, you have to do that in today's NHL. The Lightning do. So to answer your question, do I think we're going to see Luke Shen in the series? Yes. Do I think it's going to come from 11 and 7? No. I actually think it's going to come from 12 and 6. Brian Engblom talked about this on our show the other day on Power Lunch. And he wouldn't be surprised if they do choose to go that route with Luke Shen. Maybe a guy like Jan Roots is the one that comes out. Because he is the guy that I know he's a right-handed shot, but you got a guy like in Luke Shen, who's a bit more physical, a lot more physical. And let's face it, John Cooper has gone to him before in series like this, a series, a team that maybe fits his style a bit more. I don't know if they're going to start that. I I think, again, like I said, the feeling out process is going to be such you're going to see how things play out maybe in game one. If it becomes an issue and we find that the Lightning are having a hard time dealing with that physical play, then I think you could see a guy like Luke Shen be in the lineup. So to answer your question, I do think we see Luke in this series. I don't know if it's to start game one, but I could see John Cooper going to him at some point. Yeah, look, the Islanders even talked about it in the series against the Bruins where they felt they physically wore down Boston. Now, Boston, we know they're pretty much a a one and a half line team, you know, and Taylor Hall 
as good as he was in that first round series against Washington was basically a non-factor for the most part in round two. Um, so they against the Islanders basically a one line teams, which means you have to play them a lot. And the, with the way that the Islanders can play physically, they can wear you down. And, and I don't think they're going to be able to do that to Tampa Bay in this series because of the depth that the lightning have because of their ability to cycle the puck down low because of their ability to the, the mental capacity that it takes to withstand some of that. I, I think that they have a different gear than the Bruins had, um, you know, and, and, and look, I was looking back at the numbers from the series last year in the Eastern conference final, the games were close. The puck possession was not the lightning actually had 56% of the five on five uh, puck possession in that series. They actually had 50, 57% of the expected goals, 54% of the scoring chances and the high danger chances was 59%. So again, on paper, this looks like a, an advantage for Tampa Bay. The numbers in the series last year show it as an advantage for Tampa Bay. We know the Islanders don't care whether they're favored in a series or not. Uh, and in fact, in some ways, I think they've kind of adopted this favored underdog role, if you will, because everybody knows that all the numbers, all the predictors, uh, the betting sites, they all favor Tampa Bay pretty heavily. But yet they've taken on this field that, well, that's fine. Count us out all you want. You know, so they're kind of looking at themselves as a favorite underdog, if that makes any sense whatsoever, as an oxymoron can go. E, Tampa Bay is the better team. It's not a surprise. The numbers you just rattled off, the eye test will show you that. They are the better team. They should win the series. I'm very confident in making that statement. Playoffs sometimes takes on a different approach, whether it's power plays, whether it's a hot goaltender. Make no mistake. The Lightning should win this series. And I think as we talked about with the two-goalie system with the Islanders, and is that something that if they do win the whole thing, we see more of that in the playoffs. I do think it's interesting to see if a Barry Trotz coach team can win a cup without really having stars sprinkled out uh, throughout in your lineup. Barry Trotz has won a lot of games in the National Hockey League, particularly in the regular season where he's won close to 800 games. He's won a couple of Coaches of the Year awards, and he's a Hall of Fame coach. But I can also look at it and say the only time he's really won anything in the playoffs is when he had elite talents to go along with structure, and that would be the Washington Capitals. He doesn't have elite talents with the New York Islanders and they've got a couple of guys who are game breakers and they play to a system. And I really like Brock Nelson. And he's one of those guys that almost becomes an all-star once he gets to the playoffs compared to what he does in the regular season. But can his style of play with the type of roster the Islanders have win a championship so far, it really hasn't happened at least for him throughout his coaching career. And I think John Cooper and his staff have something the Trots doesn't with his team. And that is pretty good structure and elite talent. And I think that's going to end up being the difference in this series. I don't know what it's going to go. It's going to be physical. It's going to be competitive. But the Lightning are the better team. And here's what Tampa Bay has figured out. You know, look, I, I've said this, uh, uh, I don't know how many times, and I know some people are getting sick of it. I know my son is getting sick of me saying and hearing about it. That loss to Columbus in 2019 scar will never go away, but it also served as a reminder mm -hmm. of what this team was about 
and how they needed to improve. It was a soul-searching situation for this team, and they didn't panic. That's what I, you have to appreciate about Julian Brisebois and everybody else. The easy thing would have been say, John Cooper's not working, fire him, let's go, let's move on. They kept with it because they had a belief, and it took a transition in thought process to become a more reliable team. We knew they could score. And what they have figured out during this whole process from the handshake line in Columbus to the celebration in Dallas against Dallas and Edmonton is that if the game is close and if you play good defense, you have game breakers and game breakers make the difference in close games. And this team is loaded with them. And it starts with the guy in net. You go out to 77, go out to 86, to 91, to 21. Hell, I'll even put Alex Kalorn in that situation because of what he's been able to produce in his career in the playoffs that he's producing once again. So we can look at the paper. We can look at the numbers at the end of the day. If two teams are going to be evenly matched and these two teams, I think are in some ways and the numbers will show it. I think that they're both, they're not mirror images of each other, but they'll both play the game with the same approach and style. And that is to take advantage of the opportunities when they come and don't force them. And the difference is going to be, who has the better game breakers and it's Tampa Bay and it's not even close. And I think that gives them the advantage in this series big time, but I still think the Islanders stretch it out to six games before Tampa Bay advances to the Stanley cup final. If the officiating allows the Islanders to get away with the physical play and the cheap stuff after whistles or even during the game, this series could be a lot closer than we anticipate. Because now you put maybe the Islanders at an advantage. You get Tampa Bay star players frustrated. And all of a sudden now you've got a, a situation where Tampa Bay is, is struggling to keep up with the Islanders. And also, too, what is the officiating going to be? But that's the only way I really see this team losing. And again, I say that with the utmost respect for the Islanders. I think they get as far as they get with what they have and who is on that roster. But I think there are a couple of major flaws with that team that will be exploited in this series. Goaltending and lack of star power. And those are two things I think you need to have this time of the season. And I just think the Lightning have more of it. The Islanders could knock off Tampa Bay, and that would be an upset. Make no mistake. I, I just I, I don't see it happening. And maybe that's more of a compliment to Tampa Bay, to your point, to where they are mentally than anything else. Yeah, I agree. Uh, again, it's been it's been a painful process to to bring this team to where they're at, and, and that is a championship caliber team. They always had that potential, uh, but again, they they've just kind of changed the mentality, and that's what has put them here in this position. All right, I didn't fish for questions this week uh, or, or for this episode, Greg, but we do have one. But before we get to it, want to make sure that you're aware of a special offer you can get from. Smack Apparel. If you go to smackapparel.com, use the code BOLTS21. That's B O L T S, BOLTS21. You can get 21% off of any order, not just the Lightning affiliated or the Lightning themed uh, apparel that they have. Any order that you get, use the code BOLTS21. Make sure that uh, Smack Apparel knows that you're hearing about it here on the Lightning Insider. Dot com podcast uh, and then again 21% off and we do have a t-shirt to give away as well uh, our winner uh, the other day was um, figured out we have a new contest and a new trivia question that was answered the trivia question was name the other goaltenders who have had three or more 
series clinching shutouts, um, uh, active goaltenders, and they were Mark Andre Fleury, Tuka Rask, and Ben Bishop to go along with Andre Vasilevsky, who of course picked up his third series clinching shutout against Carolina. So the wheel of randomness spun and the winner of that free t-shirt is going to be Ben and Ben, I will reach out to you. Uh, I believe you email me, Ben. So I will uh, send you the information. Uh, You get to choose between the back to boat shirt or the big cat shirt that smack apparel does have. So I will reach out to you, get the information from you. So congratulations to Ben for winning that t-shirt. And again, smackapparel.com. The keyword is bolts 21. All right. This one question that we do have, it's a good one, Greg. Um, It does come from uh, it's your boy tree uh, Champa Bay. Uh, I know that the Islanders have a pretty high scoring team this postseason, and they actually do lead the postseason in goal scoring, but they've been also up against a very leaky Tristan Jari and an injured Tuka Rast. Do you think that success will continue against a healthy Vasilevsky or will that be the difference in this series? I'm not intimidated by the fact that the Islanders have put up some goals. Um, some, some shaky situations with Tristan Jari, the turnover that ended up being a big factor in game five and overtime of that series as well. Uh, we know Tuka Rass now was injured. He's going to have to have hip surgery. Uh, I don't know how much that affected him. He didn't look like he had the explosiveness that we're used to seeing from him uh, in net for Boston. I am not intimidated whatsoever by the fact the Islanders are the highest scoring team so far through two series in the postseason because 88 is not Tristan Jari and 88 is not an injured to Karask. No, no. And I think that's the advantage. Look, the way the Lightning are going to get in trouble in this game and maybe hang Vassie off to dry is if they turn the puck over. And if they turn the puck over, the Islanders do have some guys who can shoot the puck. Most notably, as I said, Brock Nelson might be their best sniper. Barzell's a playmaker. He's not necessarily a great goal scorer. He's a really good skater and an amazing passer. Nelson's the guy that worries me in the series because he is a guy who, again, he is pretty good in the regular season. Pesky. He's amazing in the postseason. So he, you know, along with Bailey and, you know, Barzell and these guys, and that third line can be dangerous with Pajot. The fourth line can contribute, but Tampa Bay's best defense will be their offense in this series. If they can keep the Islanders hemmed in, not allow Vassie with a lot of scoring opportunities. I mean, you may see games this series where Tampa Bay control controls a ton of zone time. Maybe they're even out shooting uh, the Islanders, you know, two to one and have the majority of the scoring chances. I mean, you may see something like that where again, the Islanders can counterpunch a bit as if, the Lightning get it too cute in their own zone or at the neutral zone, which, by the way, we have seen them do. I mean, they very well could have a, a couple of egregious turnovers in the neutral zone. And back goes Everly, Barzell, and Nelson. And those guys, to their credit, when they do get opportunities, they, they finish more times than not. So the Islanders aren't as talented. This series will be close if the Lightning turn the puck over a lot. The Islanders take advantage of it. And the officiating allows the Islanders to get away with more than they should. Yep. We'll find out. We haven't seen Andre Vasilevsky at his consistent best, right? He's been really good. And then he's had some games where you're like, eh, he's not been at his best. I expect him to be at his best for this entire series. And that does not spell good news if you're a New York Islanders fan. 
All right, Greg, as always, my friend, uh, good conversation, good topics. Um, we'll do this again at some point uh, during the series. Maybe we'll have to look. It's it's an odd schedule. Well, not odd, but in a lot of late games, obviously, now that you're at this point. So once we get past right. Sunday's 3 p.m. game, everything else is at 8. I actually will be in New York for games 3 and 4. Um, so I certainly will be doing those uh, post-game podcasts solo as well. Maybe we'll get together after game one. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but as always, my friend, uh, good to talk to you. And uh, hey, I'll see you at the rink. I'll see you at the rink on Sunday. Great job, buddy. All right. This has been the LightningInsider.com podcast. Again, game one between Tampa Bay and the New York Islanders is on Sunday. That's a 4 or 3 p.m. start on NBC. You can also catch it on Lightning Power Play. For Greg Lanelli, I'm Eric Rowlandson. See you next time. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.